Why, hello and good day, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Golf Guide Podcast. I am Kyle Serlo, broadcasting from sunny and delightful Chico, California, home, of course, to Chico State University, a 32-time winner of Playboy Magazine's most prolific and extraordinary party school in America, uh, none of which of those titles have happened in the last 20 years, but that's besides the point. Anyway, uh, very, very good to be with you today. Um, had a really fun weekend of golf last weekend, and uh, so it's looking to be another very promising uh, weekend of golf uh, coming up here in the next couple of days. So uh, on today's podcast, we will be going over a couple of news items that are uh, for things that are taking place in the golf world around this West Coast in the United States. Uh, we're going to touch on a few things happening in the professional world of golf. And then I also wanted to uh, go over uh, something I had been thinking about uh, with regarding to scoring that uh, I'll touch on a little bit at the end of the podcast. Uh, so thank you again, everybody, for being with us. But before we start, I just wanted to remind all of you that if you're in Northern California and you want to go play some golf, but you don't want to spend a ton of money, I highly encourage you to go visit golfguide.net and check out one of the dozens of uh, deals that we have where you can go play golf at a number of really excellent golf courses across the northern part of the state for anywhere from 20 to 70% off. So again, go to golfguide.net. And when you're there, when you're checking out, use the promo code GGPODCAST and save an additional 10% on top of all that other savings that we give you anyway. So one more time, golfguide.net. Promo code GG Podcast and go find the golf you need, everybody. Okay, let's start off with some news. Uh, it's not technically taking place here on the West Coast, but because uh, it has ties to my single favorite place on the planet, Bandon Dunes Golf Resort. Um, just, uh, I think it might have been yesterday, on May 1st, uh, the Sandbox, the 17-hole par 3 course at Sand Valley Resort uh, up in central Wisconsin, open for public play. Um, kind of on the heels of just how monumentally successful uh, the 13-hole preserve course was um, up at Bandon Dunes, you're starting to see a lot more really nice uh, really kind of higher-end par-3 courses going into a company, uh, larger 18-hole designs at these kind of destination golf resorts. And the Sandbox, from everything I've seen so far, looks to be a smashing hit. Uh, it does resemble um, the quality that you would find at the Preserve uh, up at Bandon Dunes. Unlike that course, this one is 17-hole, so they give you four more holes of goodness uh, than you get up at the Preserve. Um, if you follow you know, golf on social media at all, you undoubtedly already know this is taking place because there's a lot of guys up there, including Andy from the Fried Egg, Shane Bacon from Fox Sports, uh, that, are all gonna, that are all covering the opening of the sandbox as well. So uh, it looks really, really cool. I am looking forward to finally making a trip up to central Wisconsin. Likely not this year because this whole getting married thing is really getting in the way of me planning a lot of golf trips. So Word of the wise, if you want to go on a lot of golf trips, don't do so while you're trying to simultaneously plan and execute a wedding and a honeymoon. Word of the wise. Okay. Also, uh, the next uh, bit of news, uh, this one is a little bit more locally focused. Um, we were able to speak to our source uh, at Etna Springs 
uh, the beloved nine-hole, you know, Tom Doak design golf course that I, you know, still is one of my favorite places to play golf uh, in the entire world, even though it's remote. Its facilities are generally lacking, not, not because the facility isn't nice, because they just don't have um, the business there to, you know, have a restaurant and bar and everything you would expect at a golf course. But um, we did talk to our source. The property is in escrow. We cannot share uh, the name or the company um, that is, you know, looking to acquire the property. All we can say is that it is a venture capital uh, company based in the Bay Area. Um, and according to our source, they said they are open to the idea of maintaining and reopening the golf course um, and that they'd probably put it at about a 25% chance the golf course does eventually come back. So, you know, at 25%, it's obviously still much more likely that it's not going to reopen, which sucks. But that is up from the 10% that we got from that same source just a couple of months back. So it does seem like things are trending in the right direction for Edna Springs. But as soon as we get more information and as soon as that escrow closes and the new buyer does in fact own the property, we will share some of that information with you in hopes that perhaps we can galvanize the listeners of this podcast and also just you know, fans of good golf across Northern California uh, to hopefully be able to write into this gentleman, this lady, this company, um, and kind of encourage them to reopen it and let them know just how special Aetna Springs really is. Okay, uh, the next couple of bits of news uh, are having to do with the professional game. Uh, in case you guys didn't see it, uh, Lydia Ko won the Meta Heel uh, at Lake Merced Golf Club over the past weekend in a playoff over Minji Lee, and she executed perhaps the most delectable three-wood I have ever seen. Uh, in the first playoff hole, what they replayed the par 5 18th, um, Minji Lee outdrove Lydia Ko by like 30 yards. Uh, but because the golf course, and because that hole in particular sets up so well and has a, a very strategic element to it, so it's a, a shorter par 5 that is reachable in two. However, if you want to have an angle into the green on your second shot, you have to place your drive on the right side of the fairway. There's a lot of cypress trees that line the left side of 18. One specifically overhangs the fairway a little bit in front of the green. So if you want to get to that green in two and have a good chance to get that ball close, you really want to position yourself on the right side of the fairway, which is a little bit tougher to hit. It's a little more narrow on that side. Um, and Lydia Ko, you know, put her drive right in that perfect spot on the right-hand side of the fairway. Minji Lee Blasted at 30 yards by her, but she was on the left side, so she had to navigate those cypress trees. Well, the rest is history. Lydia Ko hit perhaps one of the most spectacular three woods in LPGA Tour history, almost knocked it in for an albatross two, but had a tap-in eagle to win the Meta Heel uh, Championship at Lake Merced. It is Lydia Ko's third win at Lake Merced. She won the swinging skirts two times when it was hosted at Lake Merced, and this actually marks her first win since July 2016, which is pretty wild because I remember going to the media day for the Swinging Skirts back in 2016. Uh, Lydia Ko was on top of the golfing world. She had, you know, at that point, you know, she was in the stretch of being the number one ranked women's golfer in the world for almost 100, I think over 100 straight weeks. So, you know, two years there, she was as good as the women's game uh, had to offer. Um you know, since then, she switched from Callaway to PXG Clubs. I, I don't know how much 
that uh, really affected her. But I mean, it, it'd be it'd be crazy to say that it didn't affect her just a little bit because her kind of slump did coincide with her switching equipment. But that another you know variety of factors of her going through a bunch of caddies and whatnot. But uh, the long and the short of it is very happy to see Lydia Ko back in the winner's circle. Uh, hopefully some of you had a chance to go out there and watch some of the golf tournament. It was really, really good. Very, very enjoyable. I was able to catch uh, a couple hours of the final round on Sunday, um, which, yeah, again, a lot of fun. So good on you, LPGA Tour. That two little two-week California swing was very fun, and uh, I'm already looking forward to that happening again next year. And then as far as the men are concerned, uh, Scott Piercy and Billy Horschel uh, won the Zurich Classic in New Orleans at TPC Louisiana. Uh, they shot a final round 67 of five under par in an alternate shot format, which uh, from everything that I have read, it seems like it really made the tournament quite a bit better. There wasn't so many guys going crazy low with that four-man best ball format like they did last year. As I uh, explained on last week's podcast, they went to just a pure alternate shot on Sunday, which I think really raised the level of drama uh, that was taking place on that back nine on Sunday. Um, I'd be lying to you if I said that I watched any of this event. Um, I, I, I watched a little bit of that LPG event just because it was taking place here in our own backyard, but I was very busy this weekend, and i got to be honest with you, the golf in Louisiana doesn't really do it for me. I mean, I, I, I'm not quite at that Tom Segura level of hate uh, of the state of Louisiana, but outside of New Orleans, just not sure what the point is, you know, just, just don't know why, why you'd really need to go there or have a PGA tour event there. So I am going to stop there before I offend anybody else. And the last little bit of news, uh, before I kind of get into previewing, um, what's going to be taking place this upcoming weekend is, you know, again, if you're on social media, you probably already know, but, uh, Tiger Woods has, uh, debuted some pretty, pretty sexy new irons that, uh, he has made in collaboration with TaylorMade. I do not believe they are available to the public. However, uh, these first new prototypes from Tiger look just so awesome. It looks like a collection of just savory matted butter knives that he's got sitting in his bag. So very cool to see. It'll be interesting um, to to view Tiger and and watch this weekend's tournament, uh, which he will be participating in, and see if those irons have any kind of an impact on uh, what's going to be going on at the Wells Fargo, which means, you know, we might as well just jump right into it. So let's go ahead and preview this weekend's action on the PGA Tour, uh, which is, of course, the Wells Fargo Championship, one of the bigger uh, non-major, non-players tournaments that happens each calendar year. Uh, It is going to be taking place at Quail Hollow, which, you know, something about this tournament does feel a little odd because, you know, last year um, the Wells Fargo Championship was contested at Eagle Point, because the course that it is normally played at, Quail Hollow, was being prepared for the PGA Championship, uh, which took place later in the summer, which Justin Thomas won. Um, but it, it is a little strange that they're going back to a venue that they played a tournament at just like nine months ago. Um, so yeah, to see a, a, to see a course um, in play less than a year apart feels a little bit weird, but uh, you know I, I've been told and I've read that uh, the course is going to be set up a little bit differently than it was for last year's PGA Championship. Most notably, uh, a couple of the holes are going to be substantially shorter. The first and the fourth hole um, are going to be 30 to 40 yards shorter than they were for the PGA Championship last year. Uh, But, you know, even so, the course is still, you know, 
par 71, 7,500 yards. So it's it's not like they really shorten things all that much. Um, but this weekend uh, should prove to be a really exceptional um, golf tournament, if only just because the field is incredibly strong. As, as I mentioned before, um, you know, Tiger Woods is going to be competing, and he's actually going to, for t- Thursday and Friday, for the first and second round of this tournament, Tiger Woods is paired with Masters champion Patrick Reed and defending U.S. Open champion Brooks Kepka. So uh, that is going to be a really fun and fascinating group to watch. Just the personality dynamics alone in that group are a little odd. You know, Brooks, a big strapping man, uh, you know, fresh off uh, his return from a wrist injury that he was battling for the first portion of this year. Obviously, Patrick Reed, you know, won the Masters a couple weeks ago, and he's got the eyes of the golfing world on him. Uh, maybe not so much as Tiger Woods. Nobody has more eyes on him uh, in the entire world of golf, or maybe even the world of professional sports. So uh, it's going to be very fun. Other guys in the field this weekend include Rory McIlroy, Ricky Fowler, Justin Thomas, and Phil Mickelson. So an incredibly strong field um, for the Wells Fargo Championship this weekend. Again, contested at Quail Hollow over in the Carolinas. So uh, I am actually going to be really looking forward to watching that tournament. I have a big golf weekend planned here. Uh, me and a bunch of buddies are going to be heading out to the coast uh, and basically just drinking a lot of beer, playing a lot of golf, and watching a lot of sports, uh, mainly the Warriors games on Friday and Sunday, and then the Wells Fargo Championship uh, taking place throughout the weekend as well. So it should be a really, really fun golf tournament. I hope all of you get a chance to tune in as it should be a lot of fun. Okay, and now um, I'd like to address a couple of things. It's not so much newsworthy uh, in terms of things that are happening this week, specifically in golf, but uh, there was a couple little musings, basically, that I wanted to go over with you guys. Um, The first one, I wanted to address an article that Rick Vasek had wrote for us. It was in yesterday's uh, May newsletter that went out to all the GolfGuide.net subscribers. Uh, If you haven't subscribed already, you can go to GolfGuide.net. And uh, anytime you purchase something there, uh, you can subscribe to our email list. You get newsletters, special discounts, all that kind of stuff. But um, included in that newsletter, Rick wrote an article kind of talking about how this May is going to be the last one of its kind. Uh, because as you know, many of you are already aware, uh, the PGA Championship starting in 2019 is actually going to be contested in May. So this is the last year where we will have the order of the majors going Masters, U.S. Open, Open Championship, and then the PGA Championship. And uh, a couple of the big things is that uh, not only is the PGA Championship going to be moved to May, but the Players' Championship is actually going to be moved back up to March to uh, coincide with the Florida Swing uh, that happens before the Masters. So instead of having the Masters, Players' Championship, U.S. Open, Open Championship, PGA Championship, Starting in 2019, it's actually going to make a lot more sense. And Rick breaks it down in much more detail, so I encourage you guys to go and read that. We'll, we'll have it posted on golfguide.net here in the next couple of days, so if you're not part of that subscribed you know, newsletter, you can still check it out. But you know, he brought up a really good point that the Masters, it stinks because it's the best golf tournament of the year, and like all of a sudden you have it in April, and bam, it's already over. Um, but one thing that's tough is that there is so much good golf that takes place in the PGA Tour season before the Masters, and it seems like we kind of have to really wait for it. You have the West Coast Swing, you have the stuff down in the desert before that, then you go to the Florida Swing, you know, you go play a tournament in Texas, then you come back and go to the Masters. Well, 
the flow of everything now is going to be really great because I think the Players' Championship, um, certainly while it's not a major, uh, it's it's one of the biggest non-major golf tournaments of the year. I personally think it's better than a lot of the WGC events, which, you know, that's a discussion for a later day. I think those have a lot a lot of room for improvement. Um, but now it's, I think it's really cool because you have this big golf tournament in the players that we can get excited for to kind of hold us over uh, until the Masters gets here in April. So I think it's really cool that the players is going to be contested. At that time of year, the weather should make it a little bit more interesting uh, in March versus May. And so then you're going to have the players, you get all revved up, you kind of see how those guys are navigating the 17th green out there and how they're playing a really difficult golf course. And then, bam, you get hit with the Masters. And then instead of having a multi-month lull uh, between majors, you get the Masters, and then four or five weeks later, bam, you get the PGA Championship. And I think it's going to be really, really good for that tournament. It is the kind of redheaded stepchild of golf's four majors. And I think by putting it earlier in the calendar and bookending it, with the Masters and the U.S. Open, it's going to generate not only a lot more interest in the tournament, but also a lot more excitement um, for everybody that's going to be participating and is going to be viewing the golf tournament either live or on TV. So once again, I encourage you guys to go read Rick Vasek's article on that. Really good stuff by Rick. But it also kind of helps us transition into an article that I was reading this morning that I thought was really fascinating and I wanted to share with you guys and certainly encourage you all to go read it for yourselves. Uh, And that's on the topic of the PGA of America possibly moving its headquarters out of southern Florida. So there was an article, again, on GolfDigest.com by a gentleman by the name of Dave Shedlosky. Um, Dave, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing your last name. Um, But it's really interesting in that the PGA of America, which often is confused with the PGA Tour, they are not the same organization. They used to be, but... Uh, 50 years ago this year, the professional tour players of the PGA branched off and formed their own organization, the PGA Tour, which is separate from the PGA of America. The PGA Tour simply is kind of like the professional league. You know, it's just for the pros, the touring pros, uh, whereas the PGA of America is the organization that represents the teaching professionals um, across America. So any one of your local clubs, the head pro likely, I mean, it's not a requirement, but likely is a member of the PGA of America, not the PGA Tour. A little confusing, um, and understandably, you know, when they're both called the PGA, it can be, <laughs> it can be a little complex. But anyway, the the reason that this is interesting is the PGA is, you know, considering moving its headquarters uh, from Southern Florida, and it's rumored that the site that they're looking to move to is uh, Frisco, Texas, about 30 miles north of Dallas. And, you know, according to them, it's, you know, according to the article, at least, I I think it's supposed to serve a couple of different purposes. Uh, One is to improve the perception of the championship uh, in the PGA Championship. Uh, I think they got a great start, as I said, by moving to May. There's going to be a lot more attention paid to it, and I think a lot more passion for that tournament. And so by moving their headquarters, they kind of want to add on to that and really kind of develop a real identity for themselves. So they're not, you know, not just only confused with the PGA Tour, Uh, but kind of stand out as a separate sort of governing body aside from the USGA, the RNA, the PGA Tour. They want to really make sure they have their own little thing going. And, uh, you know, it's really interesting. The possible move, uh, the reason for moving, there's a variety of factors they go over in the article. The first one is simply the complex that they have in in Florida right now just really isn't working. Um, It's much smaller than what they need. 
Um, in addition to the small little campus they have, uh, they have to rent out an additional office building about a you know a couple of blocks away that you know takes an additional million dollars a year in rent. So it's just really economically not feasible. But on top of that, they don't have any supplemental facilities um, to go along with that. So I mean, there's the close by PGA National Resort, uh, which of course you would think with the PGA National name. Uh, is tied to it, but there's really not no affiliation. They have no control over the PGA National Resort, where of course, um, I think it's the Honda Classic uh, gets contested. That Jack Nicklaus design is part of PGA National. The the PGA of America has no say or influence over the management of that, so it's a little odd, um, and it's just it, it, it's weird because if you listen to the podcast that we had with Chris Durr actually earlier this year. Um, and he was talking about when he was trying to get his PGA of America, you know, teaching, um, I wouldn't call it a license, but, you know, whatever it may be, you know, all those guys have to fly out to Florida for their training to go to seminars, classes and stuff like that. And again, they just didn't have a lot of space. They didn't have the facilities uh, close by to be able to do it. It was just really, really complex. So uh, the PGA kind of set this up. A bunch of different cities had bidded, you know, and, and tried to present their case as to why the PGA should move there. And it's looking like North Texas is is the front runner um, as of right now. But in part of doing this, not only would the PGA of America build a brand new campus um, that would have all of the office space and classrooms and everything that they would need to do all the stuff they'd like, uh, but it's rumored that they're also it's going to be accompanied by two 18-hole golf courses, um, you know, a short course, and then obviously the office park, a clubhouse. Uh, for all of the golf and stuff like that to really kind of roll it all into one and should be a pretty, it, it would be a spectacular facility if, in fact, it does turn out to resemble kind of what they are pitching. Um, the PGA of America CEO, Pete Bivacqua, Bivacqua, again, I'm, I think I'm, ju- I'm just butchering last names here on the podcast, but um, he's the CEO of the PGA of America. Again, Jay Monahan is the chairman of the PGA Tour. Again, two separate agencies, but um, Pete Bivacqua uh, is kind of the guy who's been in charge of the PGA of America since 2012. He is the one responsible for kind of getting that PGA championship moved from late in the summer up until May, and this is another one of those big things that uh, he's trying to do in order to move the PGA of America in the right direction. Um, So if you'd like to learn more about this, it's a really interesting read. I think it's really fascinating. Uh, I'd go to golfdigest.com and read Dave's article. Um, and in part of, in, oh, and I forgot this little guy right here, of those two 18-hole courses that they're uh, looking to build as part of that project, they've already retained the services of Gil Hans uh, to design one of them, uh, kind of with the goal of you know having at least one of them be a championship-caliber golf course so you know, it could be a possible future site for a PGA championship, which, you know, hosted at PGA headquarters. That could be kind of cool and possibly even, you know, maybe hosting a Ryder Cup or something like that one day. So uh, once once more, I encourage you guys to go check it out. GolfDigest.com. Uh, Dave Shedlowski's uh, article on the PGA Tour possibly moving its headquarters out of Florida. All right. And then last thing uh, for the podcast today. I just kind of wanted to ramble a little bit. I, I know if you guys listen to this podcast relatively frequently, you are no stranger to me just kind of really getting off topic and just ranting about really unnecessary 
non-golf stuff, but I'm, I'm going to keep it a little more on track this time around. And um, it was something I actually had just been thinking about uh, after I had listened to uh, Andy's, you know, one of his more recent Friday podcasts where he had, you know, former U.S. Open champion and current golf course architect Jeff Ogilvy on. Um, and it gets back to something we've talked about on this podcast before, and that is the golfing world's, oh, okay, the world is bad, America's uh, obsession with score. Um, this is something I've talked about before, and I always thought that I was better. I was like, oh, no, I don't do that. But I realized that I myself am actually kind of oddly obsessed with keeping score. Every time I go out and play, I always prefer to play my own ball. I want to know what my score is at the end because it's a way that I can kind of track how my progress is coming along. And I thought it was really interesting when Andy asked Jeff why he seems to be so much better at match play uh, you know, compared to his performances that he does in stroke play events. He said it's because growing up in Australia, um, so many guys um, are playing match play with their buddies all the time. You don't go out and play you know, 18 holes of stroke play and see who has the better score at the end. They just play match play with their friends all the time. And it really got me thinking and kind of wishing that that was the case here. I, I I just don't play match play with my friends enough. And it really got me motivated to want to really try to shed the scorecard in terms of keeping track of all my strokes and a stroke play type of thing and play a, you know, a larger variety of games with my friends and play different formats more often um, not just in tournaments, but even just going out to have a casual round of golf or a friendly competition with a friend. I think it's really, really important for not just me, but for all of us to be playing golf in a variety of different formats because that's part of what makes golf so unbelievably special. There's not one set of rules and one way the game can be played like there is in so many other sports. Golf is so open to interpretation and variety that uh, I feel like I've really been cheating myself. Um, simply by just playing stroke play all the time. So I'm going to make a, a huge effort um, to get out there with my friends and do a lot more match play, a lot more stable for it, a lot more alternate shot, and just try to really mix it up because it, there's so many different ways to enjoy it and that uh, if you're like me, you have not been taking full advantage of that. Um, and so I... I, I that, that's all I had for you. And I think part of the the reason that I'm so obsessed with stroke is because I do want to keep track of the rounds of golf that I play. I want to remember the dates that I played, where I played, you know, was I playing good, was I playing bad? And by doing stroke play, that is something that you can all keep track of. And for a lot of people, um, being able to post their scores or keep track of it, you know, as it relates to their handicap is very, very important for them. And I just wonder if that's the reason why so many guys uh, in America and girls, you know, um, are not playing, you know, alternate kind of games and, and formats when they play. So I would hope that, you know, if anybody from the USGA uh, is listening to this, <laughs> which I highly doubt, um, maybe there's some kind of way. I, I don't think you could actually use like an alternate shot or any of the other formats to form your handicap. But the, it'd be great if there was at least some sort of a mechanism for us to record those scores just to have them in the system so we could look them back. Um, it would still help us keep track of how many rounds we're playing per year. Um, maybe, you know, some sort of a system where you can enter in a score and then kind of write down, like, the format that you are playing in. Uh, if it's some sort of a team event, you know, you could write down the information for your teammate, like, oh, I played with, 
um, a person in an alternate shot whose handicap was in this range, and that's why we shot this golf score. That kind of gives me an idea. So I don't know. I, I just think it'd be really, really cool if the handicapping system could find some sort of way to at least help us document those rounds of golf that we're not playing in a stroke play format. Not necessarily to influence the handicap, but just so we can keep track of it. Um, I mean, again, golf, one of the coolest things is that everywhere you play is different. You know, it, it's, you know, you go play tennis, a tennis court's a tennis court. Um, but <laughs> it's actually a bad reference because tennis actually has more variety in its court than most because you have, you know, hard court, clay, grass at Wimbledon. But, you know, for the most part, dimensions are still the same. The idea is the same. You're hitting a lot of similar shots. Uh, the basketball courts are the same way. You got pavement, you got hardwood. But, you know, golf is the only place where the arena vastly changes the way that you play the game. And we, you know, we want to keep track of all those different experiences because each one of them is so varied. So if the USGA handicapping system could, you know, find some way to help us at least track that kind of stuff, um, I think would really encourage all of us to go out and play uh, with a more, a larger degree of, you know, variety regarding the format. So anyway, that's where my musing will end. That is all I have got for you guys today. I really hope you enjoyed uh, the podcast. If you have not already, please, it, it, it would just, you'd be doing me such a massive solid. If not only you listened and subscribed via iTunes, but if you have a friend uh, that enjoys playing golf and enjoys uh, an idiot like myself rambling about uh, different things that he sees going on in the golf world, please, uh, if you could turn the podcast on to a friend, that is the biggest form of flattery. That is the biggest solid that you could possibly do me uh again like you've probably heard on every other podcast um reviews and subscriptions on itunes are really the biggest way to get this podcast um rocking and rolling you know it helps us reach out to advertisers it may even help me you know operate this podcast not at a loss at some time in the near future but i really love doing this so the, the profitability factor isn't really a main thing for me but hey it certainly wouldn't hurt if it, uh, if it trended in that direction someday as well. So uh, that's it for me for this episode, everybody. Go out, enjoy some great golf. Uh, hopefully you're getting out and playing at least once or twice this weekend. Go watch the Wells Fargo Championship. Uh, go Warriors. Uh, and other than that, go visit golfguide.net and save 20 to 70% on greens fees at golf courses all across Northern California with a few in Oregon, Nevada, and Southern California as well. And use the promo code GGPODCAST when you check out to save an additional 10%. All right. That's it, everybody. Have a great weekend. We'll be back next week. Mahalo. Mahalo.